0: This is On The Mark NBA All-Star Weekend. Came and went. I'm a little emotional about it. Magic Johnson, Kenny Smith, Karan Butler, all on the program today. And yes, there will be a side of Chris Bryant. On The Mark with yours truly, Mark Harmon starts right now. Music is and makes you feel happy like an old time movie. I'll tell you about the magic and the free of soul, but it's like trying to tell a stranger about a rock and roll. believe in magic, don't bother to choose if it's... We start out today with Magic Johnson, who was at an event sponsored by McDonald's over the All-Star weekend. Magic shared a story where when he was coming into the league... Converse came after him, and so did Nike. Now, Converse, the Converse All-Stars, right? Everybody was wearing them. Bird, Magic, Mark Aguirre, Isaiah Thomas, long list of guys all in those All-Stars. And Michael, of course, made Nike popular. But, but Nike came to Magic and said, look, we can't pay you as much as Converse, but we will give you stock. And Magic tells a story where he admits that I really didn't know what stock was. And he's kicking himself because, as he threw it, Michael Jordan would have been making me all that much money. And instead of being a billionaire, I'd be a trillionaire. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm laughing, right? He's, it's a hysterical story. But then I'm also thinking, what a competitive dude. He's not satisfied with being a billionaire. I could have been a trillionaire. What would it look like to be that competitive in life, right? Yeah, well, this is good enough. Nope, never good enough. Could have been a trillionaire. thought that was kind of an interesting lesson for Magic. Uh, let's bring him in here. I asked Magic, can you relay a Michael Jordan story from that All-Star weekend or anytime? Because, of course, Magic played against him and with him on the Dream Team. So I asked for both, playing with... And playing against And Magic did not disappoint
2: Michael and I Playing with him Was a bucket list for me So when the Olympics came around And the Dream Team Man, it was the greatest moment of my life And and it wasn't just on the court Michael and I played Tongue Every single night (laughs) No, no, this is crazy It started off Pippin, Barkley, Michael, and myself. We already knew their money wasn't long enough to hang with us. (laughs) So at a certain time, they were going to fall off. Man, this dude, man, he had me up to 5 o'clock in the morning. This is how special Michael Jordan is. We played tongue all the way to 5, 5 5.30 in the morning. He had a tea time at 8 o'clock. He would go get two hours of sleep. Play 18 holes of golf, go score 30 points before (laughs) halftime. And we did this every single night. And I'm so glad that God blessed me to be able to have that time with Michael because that that time got us to be friends, mother, father, before he passed away. I used to go out to his house. We used to play bid whiz. So his dad was my partner. And Oakley was his park. So we would play Bid whiz all night. Now, this, okay, I'm gonna tell y'all, a lot of people don't know this. this is- Nobody knows. Okay, the night before he hit all them threes against Portland, we're playing Bid Wiz at his house, right? His dad and I, we busted, and we, we tore him up. And I'm, I'm running six no's and five specials on Mike, right? Ah, ah, ah. So we played and I said, Michael, I gotta go home. You got a game. Cause remember, I was working for NBC at that time. So I'm calling the game. He said, no, MJ, cause Michael is so competitive. When he loses, he don't want you to leave, you know? So we played and I said, no, I'm going home to the hotel. So remember he, he shot and he made like four or five in a row. And remember when he made that last one and he turned to the score, he was turning to me. He was so hot that night, so yeah. he owed me a lot because, I, because, because I'm the one he was mad at. That's why he took it out on Clyde Drexler the next day in the game. That's so awesome. we had such a great time. I came to Chicago for his first event when his foundation was yeah. was going. His mother, I was here. So we spent some special times together. I love MJ. Um, we will always be brothers. And um, he's a special man. And so I think that's the time that I will remember the most. Coming here to Chicago, at, you know, the old stadium, rocking. you Ooh, think yeah. the whole roof was coming off, man. When he got on them run. him and Scottie Pippen, they went to dunking on you and stuff, man. That old stadium was just jumping, <laughs> boom. Boom, it's not like the new one yeah. now. And that old one though, man, that was amazing, man. We had a good time. So that's what I will always remember about Michael. The first time I also asked him to come do something for my charity, he came out.
3: Yeah.
2: And so we both just been blessed to have each other in each other's lives. And um, I, I love him, that's my boy. And so, and I love that he loved to play cards, the same games I love to play. All right.
0: You got to love magic, right? And so I'm thinking back as he's talking about the stadium. And the stadium's my favorite place on earth in the history of sports. Ahead of Madison Square Garden, the NBA, probably the second best arena I've been to. Ahead of any baseball stadium I've ever been, Wrigley Field, whatever you want to call it. Chicago Stadium was the greatest. But so he's telling that story about it, it jumping. And I'm thinking back to the 91 Finals. And the song that I played to start the show today, Do You Believe in Magic? Well, when the Lakers were warming up, game one, L.A. comes out of their locker room, and they're warming up. They're playing Do You Believe in Magic? And the crowd is kind of in a trance, but then they realize what's being played. Do you believe in magic? And then they start booing loud. I mean, it's 30 minutes before game time. The stadium's probably, at that point, maybe even three quarters filled. It wouldn't normally be that big, but this was a finals game. So people are booing. And then they switch into rock and roll part two, and they announce the Bulls out of the locker room, and the Bulls come out in the layup line, and the place is going bananas before the game even started. One of my fondest Chicago Bulls memories. And, of course, the Lakers went on to win that game, game one. uh, Michael missing the in-and-out shot. That was the one game. Uh, that the Lakers won in that series. And just for the record, I was not a Magic Johnson fan back in the day. He was a rival to Michael. I didn't like that people said he was better, so I was always not appreciating him. But today, the fact that Magic is out at the United Center on Sunday night talking about Kobe Bryant, welcoming all the All-Stars to Chicago and Michael is nowhere to be found outside of in the video piece that TNT put together, something's not right about that, right? How is Magic here talking about Kobe and Michael, granted, owner of the Hornets, I get it, greatest player, though, to ever play, greatest player to ever play in Chicago. Everybody's been talking about the All-Star game in 88, and Mike doesn't show up. Not into that, MJ. Missed you, MJ. You should have been there, MJ. At least you could have been there. But Magic, man, just a sweet, sweet story. It almost felt like he was like, I don't know, feeling sorry for Michael or something. Like Magic had a place in his life where he's way happier than Michael. Did you get that at all? I sort of felt that way. Um, So Magic was sweet. I want to actually play one more thing. He was asked about, the Houston Astros and cheating. And of course, Magic's Dodgers lost to the Astros in the World Series 2017. How'd you feel about that, Magic? What do you think about those Houston Astros?
2: Well, For me, it's hard when um, being an athlete, I just want a level playing field. So when I played against the Bulls, same rules. Michael Jordan has, same I'm going to have. You know, And I think for the Dodgers, it's the same thing. I just want a level playing field and I just, we didn't get that. So I was really disappointed. And and not just because I'm an owner, but I was disappointed for for my players because they deserved to, everything needed to be equal and it wasn't. And we feel that that's the reason they won the World Series. So no, I'm not happy and I'm not happy for myself. I'm not happy for our players. And then last but not least, I'm not happy for our fans because they deserve uh, to win. And so I'm never going to be satisfied with all the excuses and what they say. I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to be satisfied, especially because I used to play competitive sports. And again, we just want the same rules as the other team. And when you cheat, it sends a bad message to also the kids. And so, uh, this, was, this was bad all the way around. I don't know what can happen to make us feel better. It would never, I don't think, anything other than winning the World Series if we had the, tr- the trophy.
0: So, all that makes sense. And I just like that he didn't pull any punches. Chris Bryant didn't pull any punches. We'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, but Irvin's speaking out about a bunch of stuff. And again, great to see him. Uh, In Chicago. All right. Let me move on to another guy that was great to see. And that was my main man, Stephen A. Smith. Now, when I was in Kansas City doing radio at 610 Sports Radio, I would do updates as not Stephen A. Good afternoon, Kansas City. Royals in action tonight. Luke Hochaver on the mound. ERA, six and a half. Why is he starting? Because we don't have anybody else. So that guy, Stephen A., uh, used to... People love that guy. I love that guy. Almost felt like I should do not Stephen A. To Stephen A. But I thought that keeping my career in line was probably a better choice. So Stephen A. was at the Dwayne Wade event. And D. Wade give him all the props in the world, and his wife Gabrielle talking about his son, now daughter, who is transgender, and having the courage to put that out into the world. So I asked Stephen A. about that, and then we did get into a little MJ talk because I couldn't help myself. Here's Stephen A. Stephen A., one of America's heroes, what does it mean to you having Dwayne Wade stepping into the the parenting role that he is right now, being that open, that inclusive leadership.
4: I think it's incredibly important because we live in a world where people appear anyway to be looking for excuses to be prejudiced, to be stereotypical, and to be vicious towards other human beings. And so when you see a parent come out and show the level of love, commitment, and dedication to a child, it reminds us of what we're all doing these things for there's a generation that comes up behind us and we're trying to set the example for them to follow, at least in some capacity. And so when you're thoughtful about something to the point where your love and your affection supersedes what your own personal beliefs may have been at one time, when you're willing to acknowledge the level of ignorance that you may have possessed etc etc then you got to be you know you got you got to be adult about that be honest about that and recognize the error of your ways you know when Dwayne Wade was younger I'm quite sure when we talk about transgender or gay or anything like that there's a certain mentality that he may have had I know there was a certain mentality that I had when I was a child but when you grow up and you learn better you feel better and you do better and that's really what it's all about, and that's what you try to teach the world because you're the grown-up in all of this, and it's important that you recognize the power that you have with your words and your actions to make a positive difference. I think that's what he's been doing, and I think it served as an inspiration for so many other people to try and have a positive influence as well. He used the word ignorant, I-G-N-A-N-T. Well, I mean, that's a black thing, you right. know what I'm saying? I mean, we know it's ignorant, yeah. but sometimes we're joking around saying ignorant. <laughs> you got to be a brother or sister to understand that, all right? I, I love that he okay. used it. I think it, I think it's just and for all of us, it's not where you
0: start; it's where you finish, right? And and the way that he's evolving, not only I mean I, he did that on
4: the court too, but off the court. I mean this is this is big time. Well, listen, I think the important thing is you're recognizing your ignorance because you're saying you're reminding the world you don't know everything, and there's always room to learn more. And if there's always room to learn more, guess what? You may learn in time that you may have been wrong about something. So. Go, air, you know, err on the side of caution. Be thoughtful. Be giving. Be compassionate. Be understanding of those that are enduring whatever they're enduring in life. And you, you're fortunate enough not to have to go through that. So recognize that and, and exercise the level of compassion and love necessary to help contribute to making the world a better place.
0: Big ups to D-Wade. Let me ask you one question on the All-Star game being in Chicago. What does Stephen A. remember about 1988 And a young number 23 flying through the air versus Dominique Wilkins on a Saturday afternoon.
4: I remember that he appeared to be the greatest talent that I had ever seen. I knew that Dominique Wilkins was an elite slam dunk guy, but I knew he didn't have Michael Jordan's game. And I looked at that as an exciting uh, competition, and I wasn't averse to it at all. But by that time in 1988, I was fantasizing about Michael Jordan in the NBA finals and, went and capturing a championship, finding a way to overcome Isaiah Thomas Joe Dumas and the Bad Boy Pistons and get himself a ring. That's what I was thinking about, because I don't give a damn about the slam dunk contest. I can watch it and enjoy it and appreciate it for a few seconds, but what I really want to see is who can play and who's going to be there when it really, really counts. In other words, the slam dunk matters, not the slam dunk contest. I want to see you dunking on people in May and June when it really, really counts, and you're going against competition, as opposed to just the cameras rolling, and you dunking like you are in a layup line, and there's no competition around. I want to see you doing that come Post-season. I can't stand seeing dudes showing up on all-star weekends, and I can never find them in May and June because they losing. That ain't, that ain't my thing. That's for y'all enjoy. I'm a basketball purist. If you can't play in May and June and you don't have the game to go with your exploits, then your exploits don't mean a damn thing to me. I, That's I, how I roll. I feel you a thousand percent. But, but last one. Bobby Knight had Michael
0: as the greatest player before he ever played a game in the league. When did Stephen A's eyes know... That you were watching the greatest player to ever play the game. When I saw him win the championship.
4: Because I needed to see you do it when it counts. There's a whole bunch of people that show up in the regular season, man. There's a whole bunch of people that show up when the exhibition games are going on and the cameras are flashing, but there's no pressure. But when you got championships on the line, that separates the men from the boys. And when you do it then, that's when I believe in you. There's a whole bunch. Do you realize you could go to any park in the United States? You could go to parks in New York, West West 4th Street, Rutgers Park. list goes on and on. Chicago, South Side. You could go to L.A., wherever you want to go in between. There's a whole bunch of brothers and sisters in a park who can play. They could give cats and the pros a run for their money. But for some reason, they didn't get that opportunity. So when you have that opportunity and you're on a professional level and you got an opportunity to play for championships and you come up small when it counts most, that's what I remember most about you, especially when I know you're talented. Because if you're talented and you come up small when it counts, what the hell is that about? So you know what? You got the skills, but you got the 10-man syndrome, no heart. I don't like that. That's me. 6-0. and oh. Who? MJ. Yes, we know that. You ain't telling us something we don't know. 6-0, and oh, the greatest player that ever lived.
0: I just like hearing it, Stephen A. It makes me feel good, even though I know – That that is your opinion. You've stated it many, many, many times. But I like hearing it. Maybe that's my own insecurities as everybody's talking their nonsense nowadays. All right. Let us move on to my next stop on my NBA All-Star Weekend. Karan Butler was was drafted by the Miami Heat. Miami Heat with Pat Riley. And they were a terrible team his rookie year. But Riley took him under his wing, taught him a bunch. i will talk about that. Karan was also in the Shaquille O'Neal trade. He got sent from Miami to L.A. to play with Kobe. And Kobe took Karan under his wing. Now, he shared more of this off the air, but I'll share it right now. Karan gets to the Lakers. He's having a press conference. Kobe shows up. He's watching the press conference. He points at him afterwards. You. You're with me. And he proceeded to take Koran underneath his wing and guide him along in his time in L.A., which turned out to only be one year. Played a bunch of years with Washington. Made his way around the NBA. But, and he'll talk about it here, where Koran would be on TV analyzing games, doing post-game shows, and Kobe would be texting him. Why'd you say that? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Very much invested in one of his brothers. Karan Butler, a two-time All-Star. He won a NBA championship with the Dallas Mavericks. Now, he was hurt that year, uh, but Dirk went out and won it for him. So let's have our conversation with uh, my new main man. Really enjoyed talking to him. Here's Karan Butler. The two time All Star NBA champion, Karan Butler, with the legends of the game on All Star weekend. Kind of weird right now, right? Retired and <laughs> a segue into that part of your
3: career. Uh, you know what? It's not that weird because I've been retired for I think four years now, but uh, enjoying the game, like I was able to make the seamless transition into you know, another space in my life, what I'm what I'm loved doing, so it's uh, special to be able to do that. I
0: want to go all the way back to young Karan, Racine, Wisconsin. You're 12 years old. You're mixed up in a lot of stuff that uh, you weren't afforded the normal opportunities that a young kid. You're trying to, I guess, yeah. make some dough and, 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 and be a part of, you know, a life uh,
3: and got arrested a bunch and you had to go through a huge transition. Like what, 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 what do you remember about that? What was it like? Uh, I was thinking about circumstances and the reason and the importance why we're here today in Chicago um, is to bring resources, not just the all-star game experience, but when you talk about Astellas, when you talk about the partnership with them and bringing awareness to certain things, all the things that you talk about with the foundation of Racine, was because we didn't have resources. And, you know, I don't want to sound like just a victim of it because I had my own things that I did too. But when you talk about weather and you talk about the climate around you, uh, it was strenuous. And I I was trying to prevail and trying to be the best version of me. However, uh, I, I resorted to what I knew best. And that was just, you know, being disobedient and, you know, not being the best version of me. But also,
0: you know, putting food on
3: the table, putting food in your own mouth, right? Yeah, I mean, that was part of it. You know, um, the, the male role models and figures that I've seen uh, that I looked up to was, you know, all in the street life. And, you know, they wasn't, you know, pivoting away from that space. So, you know, that was something that I adapted and it became accustomed to. And it, it seemed quite normal at the time because everybody around us was doing it and living that life.
0: How were you able to pivot and be like, you know what, I'm going to. Try to get an education and focus
3: on ball and see where it can take me. Well, you know, a lot of times in in life, people get scared straight. They may go through some type of adversity, and the way that you know I was, you know, unfortunate enough to get scared straight. You know, I had to go through the trauma of you know, being in corrections and then getting out and then peeling back the layers of that trauma so I can be the best version of myself. So in real time, I had to rehabilitate myself because it wasn't nothing functionally out there to help me go through that process. Coach, friend, family member, I mean, who you had to have some role model, I would think that helped you along at that point uh, look i've been fortunate enough to have very very and do i mean very i don't want to put very out there too many times but very very strong uh women in my life i'm talking about my grandmother who was raised in the south worked on cotton fields come from columbus mississippi I'm talking about my mother who became a uh, dual parents f- uh, fulfilling both roles in that space and just the other women in my life, my aunts, you know, they they was everything to me. They was my role models. I saw them work two jobs and do all the things that I knew someday I would have to do in my life. Yeah, are, are you uh, maybe too personal? I don't think so. Though, are, are you parent now or anything like that? Yeah, parent of five. You know, um, and you know, I know we're going to get to it at some point. But you know, uh, you know, getting screened and. Stella's the whole partnership uh, the, being a father of five it's important that you know I take care of myself and from a health standpoint uh, I need to be around here and you know I, we've had a history of you know heart failure and things in our family and we want to make sure that you know we put ourselves in the best position to be healthy
0: yeah and since you're talking about it
3: you, prostate, heart disease this is all the who we were working with today with the stells and this is uh, hey it's important for all of us and it's huge i mean it's beyond important and look you, you always talk about your first act in life and you have a ton of resources when you know you're you're being praised and on this platform but you know after that you know it's a lot of life left and you know the first act was amazing and that probably lasts for anywhere to 7 to 10 years or 10 to 15 if you're extremely lucky. But after that, you know, you you, you retire in your, your late 30s, sometimes your early third, 30s, and you got another 40, 50 years of life, sometimes 60, and you want to give yourself the best shot to just do all the things that you wanted to do. And I look at my, my five children, and I'm a father of four girls. Uh, my son may be okay without me. <laughs> but when I look at my girls and when I look at them, uh, they always making sure I eat correctly, making sure I get the proper rest making sure that I'm getting screened and, and, you know, doing all the proper things that I need to do to preserve myself to be around.
0: We're talking with Karan Butler, who's uh, played with Kobe in L.A., played yeah. for Pat Riley in Miami, uh, Gilbert and company yeah. in, in Washington. Um, so I, you're, you're talking about we just ran into Magic Johnson at an event, and he was talking <laughs> about Kobe and yeah. Magic is. his just- – Total treasure. But uh, he's talking about Kobe, and he's like, you know, uh, one thing about Kobe, amongst everything else, is that he was just a phenomenal parent. Um, and I'm hearing you with the girls and, and, and having played with them. So I'm curious, just your, I assume you obviously echo those thoughts. I don't know how much you knew about his parenting, but, but Kobe in general.
3: Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't know our relationship was far uh, deeper than basketball. And, you know, I think he went on the record a few times saying that I was one of the closest teammates he ever had. And you know, thinking about his parenting and what he's done, you know, just a week prior to the terrible tragedy, you know, we was talking about our kids. I'm a father of four girls. He's a father of four girls, you know, the same thing. So we had a lot in common, but we also was talking about our second acts. You know, our first acts was amazing. His way amazing than many others. But then y'all was talking about the second act and getting into the content space. And uh, that was a big brother to me. Um, He was someone that I always can lead on. He was an asset to my life, and, you know, I'm, def- I'm definitely going to miss him uh, beyond measures, but at the same time, got to keep his legacy going. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I was just thinking about, look, this guy,
0: you know, outside of the championships, five of them, outside of the scoring and everything else he did, he was probably on his way to doing more off the court. You know, he, he was, I mean, he's already won an Emmy, and, and the parenting and all of it, it's a huge loss as well. Yeah. You know. when,
3: I, when I think about Oscar night um, in two years to the day, uh, we was just reminiscing but that that uh specific night I'm sitting there with my family and um I knew he was going to win for Deer basketball this the the energy around it was just special and I texted him and he immediately texts back and I'm like this is a moment that's all his and well deserved and he was like you know bro you're going to be on this platform one day and gave me the most insightful and uh inspirational words ever and that's how he always was and we had a dinner and we was talking about our second acts and he said, you know, the crazy thing is everybody has to say goodbye to their first love. Uh, We was calling it the basketball notebook. Everybody has to say goodbye to their first love. But at some point you got to learn how to love again. And I think that he found his love in his second act and most importantly, being a father.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, for those of us who are listening, which is 99.9% that are not professional athletes, but we all have transitions in life where, you know, you, you've got to, well that didn't work or that did for a period of time and now I've got to go do something else like how have you sort of I just gotten excited about what's next when you got to do at least from my standpoint the most exciting thing you could do you know play the game you love in front of people make money the whole thing
3: yeah look I, I've got I've been fortunate enough to be six foot seven <laughs> one <laughs> and then be able to have uh, good coordination and I've been able to make millions of dollars doing something that I love and I've been able to preserve preserve my money and venture off into other spaces. So, you know, you talk about brie cakes, you talk about pastry, talking about franchising, getting into the real estate space and all these different avenues. I've been able to do that successfully. And, you know, my kids been, you know, strong advocates in my life and been able to watch very close up and from afar. So it's just special to be able to do that. And, you know, not everybody understand the importance of trying to make that seamless transition and doing it in real time. So I always tell them look the roar of the crowd is for you but it's not for what what you can do but as soon as you can't do it no longer it'll be they'll be cheering for someone else so you got to put yourself in position while you're in position if that make any sense and uh a lot of guys are starting to take heed of that and do that yeah I'm seeing that
0: there was a conversation today as Judgevel McGee was over uh Having that conversation where he, you know, he was kind of closed off at the start of his group, and now he's like a turned into a network machine, like looking yeah. ahead. And I think that's your name, and it's happened with a lot of guys in the league right now.
3: Yeah, I think Javale McGee's done a remarkable job. He's my he was my rookie in Washington. He's done a that's remarkable right. job at transitioning and with the company uh, F45. He's done extremely well. Um, you know, branching off being a partner in that space. So I'm happy for him, uh, and a lot of other guys are starting to change the narrative in that space, like where. They're not just doing one thing. They're starting to prepare itself uh, early. And a lot of people say, well, when, when is a good time to prepare yourself for life after basketball? Always. It's always a good time to do that. And when guys are going to these respective cities, they're starting to sit down and meet with some of the entrepreneurs and stuff like that in all these areas.
0: Talking with Karan Butler for a couple more minutes here, two-time All-Star NBA champion, working with Stellas NBA All-Star weekend. Uh, let's do a little bit more on the court. That Kobe team, the Laker team that you played on, that wasn't a good basketball team and or to laker standards i guess i'm curious i heard that when when things weren't going well there he was not pleasant to be around but you had the great relationship with him so how would
3: you kind of boil that together uh, look people always say that you know winning everything is good and when you're losing everything is terrible and in that case i think that kobe showed me a whole other side of him in that in that span and when you're going through a lot of adversity character is revealed his character was just special and i knew that was my big brother for life and sometimes you run into teammates and i've had over 150 of them i think in my career but you know i knew that our relationship was unique and i knew that we'd be friends away from the game because respectfully we thought the same you know about family about legacy about you know life at the basketball and thinking of something bigger than yourself and you see that you know even in his absence on Earth, you know, he's still here in the presence, but his absence on Earth, um, you see so much. You see the impact that he's had, and I want to say this on the record: when you look at the global impact of, you know, guys that you can't tell the story of basketball without mentioning. Kobe Bryant was an individual that didn't hide behind the dust; he was hands-on with so many people, and that's why his global impact was felt by so many. There,
0: there is something with that generation of players that he resonated incredibly in a way that I don't think people realize until he passed away. Uh, what, what do you think it was that guys, you know, were attracted to? I don't know if they the just doing it my way or whatever, what there was something about him, uh, maybe just the talent. I don't know.
3: The empathy uh, in Kobe, he was honest, almost to a fault in certain people's eyes, you know, um, and the same things that you love about him, or you didn't feel so well about him. Uh, yeah. It was just, it was his passion, his passion of the game and his determination. We all, from all walks of life, saw him grow up in front of us. Yeah. You know, an 18-year-old kid coming on that platform. We watched him go through a lot, you know, uh, on and off the basketball court. And then in the end, the ending was so sweet. Never seen an ending like that where he scored 60 and just – it was a finale of a lifetime. And then to walk away from the game and see his second act pick up just where he left off with his first, it was amazing to watch. So I think – when you look at the superstars in uh social media era n b a dot com you saw him Kobe was the first superstar in that space. Michael Jordan didn't have that platform, yeah. so everybody resonated with Kobe as that guy.
0: let me ask you about two guys before you get out of here. number one, you're a rookie, you come in the league, you're playing for Pat Riley on another team that's rebuilding did what what did playing for Pat teach you? I know that pat like if you went sideways, he would kick guys out of the gym like crazy. I've, I've heard a t- ton of people tell me stories. Ken McGill. Gill, get the F out of here. You know, the best player on the team. And I think he kicked Eddie Jones out of practice. Like, well, you're here. You're a rookie.
3: <laughs> it, it was special. Look, I, I've, I've been extremely fortunate to play with some of the guys' and names, historic names in the basketball space that you just cannot tell the story of basketball without mentioning. Pat Riley is the godfather of the game. And the one thing that he taught me early on is proper preparation. You know, being functionally prepared and, and, and ready for anything, anything. Uh, be more informed, be more prepared, even when you're talking about health. That's why Stellis and the partnership is so important because he always taught me immediately to be in optimum condition, be in the best condition of your life, and not just for basketball, but to live, like be in the best condition of your life. So when he was educating me on that early on, man that that foundation that he gave me in the beginning was just paramount to my success.
0: A pretty interesting NBA journey for Karan Butler who was arrested 15 times before he was 12 years old selling drugs uh, up in Wisconsin, but then uh, hey, it's not how I want to live. It's not how I want to live my life. I'm going to move forward in a different way. And by the way, I've got no judgment on that. You were putting food on the table. Somebody wants to buy, somebody wants to sell, all that. I got no issues with Karan Butler outside of the fact that he put himself in serious danger and could have ended up in prison for the better part of his life. So I'm, I'm glad that that didn't happen, obviously, and he was able to get himself to the league and had a phenomenal career, and it was great to catch up with him All-Star Weekend. But well, I want to wrap up with Chris Bryant of your Chicago Cubs, who had an interesting comment over the weekend you know, everyone says that the Cubs made this massive offer to Chris Bryant that he turned down, and KB disputed that. This was very interesting at his press conference over the weekend, Chris Bryant, about wanting to play elsewhere or not wanting to be a Cub, and this big-time offer that KB apparently didn't want.
5: I, I think I've always had the stance that, yes, I want to play here, I love the city, and It's so, I mean, the biggest thing with this whole, the trade rumors that has disappointed me is the fact that I feel like people, not everybody, but the main reasoning behind it is that let's get rid of him now because he doesn't want to be here in two years. He turned down this monster extension well north of 200 million. And I'm like, well, where was that? I never saw that.
0: Whoa. Whoa, right? Where was that? I never saw that. So KB is accusing either A, the Cubs of lying, B, the media of lying. I think he would say the media. Or C, his agent. Hey, Scott, Mr. Boris, I'm your client. Was there a $200-plus hundred plus million offer that you never brought to me? I wonder. I doubt it, but I do wonder. And whether or not – listen, if I'm the Cubs and I'm hearing that, I'm calling Chris Bryan in. Hey, KB, what's it going to take to get you to sign right now? I want a number. If you want to be here, if you really want to be here, I want a number. Or you go into him and say, hey, KB, look, you said you didn't see that $200-plus million offer. Here it is, eight years, $225 million. You in? You good? Because we'll sign you right now. We'll buy out these two years. We'll move you forward. You'll be 36 years old when you're done. That's what I would do. Because the guy is, he sounded rattled. Rattled. Here's a little bit more.
5: I definitely saw a lot of things out there saying, oh, there's ill will towards the team. And then there's another one saying there's absolutely no ill will. It's like, okay, well, where are we getting this from? Like, Oh, maybe it was you. I don't know who it was, but it's like um, the only person opinion who's matter matters here is mine, and I'm right here in front of the microphone telling you guys that there's no hard feelings whatsoever. I mean, I completely respect this organization and everything that they've done for me, my family, um, giving me an opportunity to play the game that I love every single day. Um, I just saw this as a process that is eventually going to help the players in the next round of negotiating. And I was going to be that guy to have the courage to do it. And I know there's going to be backlash for it and I understand it, Um, you know, but it felt it was really important to me to stand up for, you know, what I believed in and what we as players believe in. And, you know, that's a good thing. And like I said, there's no hard feelings at all. The only thing that matters is what comes from my mouth and never once have I said, I never wanted to play here. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys can go through all the recordings, all the interviews. I've always said I've respected everybody in this organization, everybody in the city, the fans. Like, we have it so good here. And, of course, I would love to play here. So he's pissed.
0: Pissed. Don't tell me I don't want to play here. None of this is true. I haven't seen an extension. I never said I didn't want to be in Chicago. I'm guessing his wife loves being in Chicago. So Chris Bryant's putting it out there as clear as day. Hey, don't put this on me. If you're trading me, it's because you signed you Darvish, and you signed Jason Hayward, and you signed Brandon Morrow, and you painted yourself, Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer and company, into a corner. It's got nothing to do with me wanting to leave. That is BS. So KB speaking some truths. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. My main man, Magic Johnson, Karan Butler, Stephen A., and a little bit of KB, Chris Bryant. On the Mark comes out every Monday afternoon. Subscribe, rate, tell a friend. Great to be with you. We'll see you next week.